Much like the normal January to December calendar we are all accustomed to, and like the changing of seasons in nature, so the church, too, has seasons, a way in which it marks its time. This is known as the church calendar or liturgical year. One of the central aims of the church calendar is to help us mark our time not merely by winter, spring, summer, and fall, but by the birth, life, death, resurrection, and return of Christ. Various denominations and types of churches observe the church calendar, some more robustly with a different holiday or saint day around every corner, and others more simplified and stripped back to the bare essentials. Perhaps the two most widely celebrated and observed seasons of the church calendar are Advent and Lent. Each of these seasons looks to the implications of who Jesus is and what he accomplished and aims to let those truths work their way out into our celebrations, observances, normal life, and times of gathered worship. Just as the joys of Christmas and the celebration of Christ's incarnation are preceded by a season of hopeful waiting and anticipation in Advent, so the joys of Resurrection Sunday and the triumph of Jesus' death and resurrection are preceded by a season of reflection, prayer, fasting, and feasting in Lent. Lent, like Advent, is a preparation season, a season meant to prepare us for both the sobering realities of Good Friday and the deep joy of Resurrection Sunday. Also similar to Advent, Lent follows the paradoxical rhythm and tension of the Latin phrase post tenebras lux, after darkness, light. Lent, year after year, helps us to remember that for there to be a resurrection, there first had to be a death, and for that death to lead to eternal life for all, the life that preceded that death had to be perfect. That life had to be tempted in every way as we were tempted, yet without sin. That life had to be fully human and made like us in every way. That man had to also be fully God. Just as Advent begins the church calendar and narrows the focus of the church onto both the incarnation of Jesus and his second coming, Lent also narrows the church's focus, but now onto the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Whereas Advent might be viewed as a season of ever-increasing light, as we await the birth of Christ and look to the light of his second coming, the season of Lent can be seen as a season of ever-decreasing light as we approach Good Friday and the cross of Christ. As we say in Advent that lights shine brightest in dark places, so in Lent, the black backdrop of the sufferings of Christ, Holy Week, Good Friday, and the cross calls the bright and victorious light of Jesus' resurrection to shine all the brighter. The word Lent is a word that means lengthen. Lent is celebrated near the beginning portions of the springtime, where days begin to lengthen coming out of the winter. The beginning of the Lenten season starts on Ash Wednesday and ends on Resurrection Sunday. In total, that is a season of 46 days, 40 days of fasting, and six days of feasting on Sundays. The number 40 holds biblical significance. It reminds us of the 40 days of the flood narrative in Genesis, the giving of the law to Moses on Sinai in Exodus, the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the desert, and of course, and most significant to the Lenten season, Jesus' own 40 days of fasting and temptation in the wilderness. The other six days, as mentioned, are known as feast days, celebrated on the Lord's Day, as we celebrate and remember Jesus' resurrection not only once a year on Easter, but every Sunday. Lent was originally a preparation period for those desiring to be baptized, and it eventually became embedded into Christian tradition as a season for the church to symbolically follow Christ into the wilderness. It has been a season to practice fasting and self-denial, though not for the glorification of those things themselves. Lent has proven to be a helpful way for Christians to empty themselves of lesser things with the hope of being filled with the greater things of the gospel. 
It's a time to remember our frame as human beings, that we are dust and to dust we shall return, signified in the marking of ashes on Ash Wednesday. It's a time to remember that the wages of sin is death and that death has been defeated and swallowed up in victory in Christ. It may strike some as odd, out of place, or even damnably legalistic to suggest that fasting is an appropriate way to prepare and anticipate the death and resurrection of Christ. And in one sense, I get their point. Is self-flagellation and self-denial really the right response to the gift of the resurrected Christ? Didn't Christ suffer in our place and perform perfectly on our behalf? Doesn't he free us from all this kind of stuff? To that, I would answer yes and no. Yes, Jesus' perfect performance in the wilderness while fasting and being tempted by Satan is credited to you, along with every other perfect and all-sufficient merit you need to stand blameless before the Father. All of that was achieved and performed by Christ on your behalf, period. You add nothing to that. All you bring to the table is the sin that made such a radical salvation necessary. You are totally free from trying to earn your way into right relationship with God. So that's the yes. What about the no? No. Christ's performance on your behalf for salvation does not free you from obeying his commands, seeking to live as he lived, and to practice the things he said to practice. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, not if you fast. So when is the last time you fasted? Lent can help with that. By all means, fast at other times as well. But if you struggle to implement this discipline in your life, why not begin during Lent? If not now, then when? Jesus also said this in Luke 5, 33-36, directly answering a question as to why his disciples did not fast, but John the Baptist did, stating, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. From this teaching of Jesus, it would seem fairly simple. It's inappropriate to fast when Jesus is physically present, and completely appropriate to do so when he isn't. Jesus also said this in Luke 9, 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Of course, there are many ways we can obey that command in daily life, and we should. And Lent can help us with this as well. It's a particular season where we, with attention to imitating and joining in the sufferings of Christ, deny ourselves of some good we are totally free to enjoy. When we deny ourselves or fast, we are not giving up things that we should have never been doing in the first place. We don't fast from sin. We kill sin and repent of it. We fast from good things, even essential things like food and drink, to gain something greater. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Could it be that we are so filled and satisfied with worldly goods that we do not even feel the blessing of being hungry for Christ and his righteousness? You see, Jesus took issue not with the act of fasting itself, but with the pharisaical showboating and posturing. This is why Jesus goes on to say, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus says, by all means, fast, do it. It's good for you, it's profitable. He seems to just assume that this is something his disciples are already going to be doing anyway. What are you giving up might be the most common question asked during Lent. Jesus says to neither ask nor answer that question. And perhaps that question is misguided anyway. For if by giving anything up, we gain more of Christ, what have we really lost anyway? 
And don't forget the promise that is attached to fasting. Jesus said that as you fast in secret, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. In short, don't view your Lenten fasting as a meritorious pursuit. It's a humbling pursuit that deepens your appreciation for the temptation Jesus endured and triumphed over Satan perfectly in the wilderness. It's a way to share in the sufferings of Jesus and mark your time not merely by the yearly calendar, but by the life and work of Christ. It is again a time to joyfully empty yourself of something completely lawful and good, yet lesser than the good of Christ himself, to free you to be more consciously and joyously filled with him. Lastly, don't forget to feast. In Lent, we fast from and feast on. Every Sunday during Lent, and every Sunday in general, should be viewed as a feast day. Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day we celebrate the resurrected Savior and his finished work. Let us not forget that even in Jesus' new and resurrected body, when he appeared to his disciples, he said, have you anything here to eat? And then he sat down and ate some fish. Eternity itself is headed towards a wedding feast. So in the midst of all your fasting and emptying of yourself, don't forget to feast. Let the feast abruptly break into your fasting. Let the feasting remind you that you don't fast in order to feast, but you fast because you have feasted on the bread of life himself, have tasted and seen that he is good, and have learned that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting helps you see that Christ is so deeply all-satisfying that if all you have is Christ and nothing else, you still have everything. As you feast, let it cause you to adore what Jesus accomplished in full when he not only resisted Satan in the wilderness, but when he did not turn away from the cross, but set his face like flint towards it. Fast from the things of this world, confess your sins in deeper need of Christ, and feast on the word of God and on the bread and wine at the table of the Lord's Supper each Sunday. And heck, while you're at it, throw a feast at your dining room table. There is deep nourishment and reward to be found within the practice of fasting, but there is also great joy and strength to be found in feasting. Christ has freed you and told you to do both. So do both this Lenten season.